0: My grandfather's Canadian, so yes, the best. I'm from like upstate New York and people are like, where am I? Like, Canada? Like just tippy <laughs> top of New York, way up there. Like- love it. Honorary
1: <laughs> Canadian.
0: Honorary Canadian. Elisa is a Canadian truth teller powerhouse who helps high achieving entrepreneurs really own their personal power. Establish value-based boundaries and boundaries I love are, they're my jam. I tell people like that's where people struggle the most. Oh my gosh. I'm like, yes. ah. And enjoy full frontal living through mind, body, and spiritual alignment. Author of Let's Eat, and eat is spelled, and I'll link it up in the show notes, E-A-T, with dots in between. The book for women who are sick of guilt and shame of dieting. She is a sought-after speaker, coach, and educator who loves empowering us to stay present to what we're feeling and how we're showing up in all the areas of our lives. So Lisa, I want to start there with your book. What, what made you write this book? What parts of your life have, have brought you to where you are today.
1: (laughs) First of all, I want to thank you for inviting me on because storytelling is my jam and I'm really excited to be here. And I'm, I'm very honored that you would share me with your community. I don't take that lightly connection. Like I said, before we went live is so incredibly powerful for me. So the book, the book is a culmination of almost two decades of work that I've done with women around their relationship with food and their body. So I'm going to back this up a little bit and give you kind of the story behind it. Mm-hmm. I started my career as a personal trainer. Basically, I gave the middle finger to corporate Canada. <laughs> corporate, corporate <laughs> Canada. Uh, I wanted to go out on the road in sales It was a very male-dominated industry that I was in, and they didn't believe a female could hack it. And this was after Mm. giving them, you know, this was back in the day, giving them years of my life, and I was so deserving of it. And Why wouldn't they give it to me? It's a whole other story. Uh, So I walked away from that and said, I'm never going to work for somebody again. So I got into personal training because I'd always been a bit of a gym rat. That's where I could disappear. That's where I could feel strong, even when I wasn't feeling strong, mm-hmm. that was my safe haven. So I thought, well, of course I'll turn it into a business because that's what we do as entrepreneurs, right? We take the things we love and then we screw it all up by turning it into a business. Right. Um, so I started working with women around changing their body composition, but it became so clear very quickly that without attention to nutrition, nothing really changed, right? We want to just move more and have this magical transformation. But the truth is, Exercise and healthy eating have nothing to do with each other. They're complementary, but they're not codependent of mm-hmm. each other. And I think that's a really important point for people to make. You could not exercise and really take care of your body with food and you'd look and feel fantastic. Our bodies mm-hmm. are meant to move, but people, you know, they get injured and then they don't eat well. And I, I want to pull my hair out. So, I am a very kinesthetic person, obviously, if I love exercise. So I decided that I was going to take the years that my mother had invested in my dance training and compete in fitness and figure, which in essence is like bodybuilding wearing high heels. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's massive transformation change. And I'd never not loved my body I wanted to see what I could do. And I wanted to learn about how, how do you transform your body like that? Like what goes into that? Am I going to have to live off? you know, fish and spinach. And the first coach I hired, I pretty much lived off fish and spinach. And I was like, this is stupid. Like who can do this? <laughs> and, um, you know, so I radically transformed my body, but I learned how to do it in not a, a really healthy way. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in the industry is many of these women, they'd walk up on stage, they'd had these like killer physiques, but they didn't actually know how to eat to live. They knew oh, how to eat, yeah. get to a specific way and then they'd go off stage and they'd get back into binge eating because the truth is many of them, the transformation wasn't about the transformation. It was about trying to fill a hole inside mm-hmm. them, right? Well, if I look a certain way, then I'll feel better about myself, which we all know is just not the truth. Most of us are seeking fulfillment and peace outside of ourselves and it's never, we're never going to find it there. So when I left the competitive stage, I took all, and I worked with lots of coaches, not just the crazy one with the fish and spinach, (laughs) but I took all that information and thought, how can I take this and break it down in a way that builds out a sustainable approach to food that empowers my clients because nothing makes me want to pull my hair out more than follow this food plan because it completely disempowers you. Mm -hmm. However, in my industry, it's rampant with that. And everybody out there who's listening needs to take responsibility if you've jumped on that bandwagon, because you're actually avoiding doing the thing that will create lasting success for you. So from there, I built out this program called EAT, which stands for Education Action Transformation. And it really was and still is about helping my clients build out their own nutritional blueprint. They have to think for themselves. They have to learn. It's kind of like learning how to manage your money, like, and learning how to be a CEO. I didn't wake up going, wow, I know how to be a CEO. I've had to <laughs> learn that shit, and it has been uncomfortable. Like, yes. what you a CEO does this? Um, so you have to learn it, but once you learn it and understand it, you have that information for your life, and you can now approach your food empowered. So this was like my big thing, right? And it took me years to build this out. And like, I was afraid of public speaking. So it was small groups and it was one-on-one and then bigger. And I still remember the first class where I had 15 people and I was like, this is happening All these <laughs> people are here to learn from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you know, our businesses are here to grow us. So as I was empowering women, I was also growing myself as an individual and an entrepreneur. Now. Six and a half years ago, that's when everything really shifted for me. And that's when I discovered that my husband, not my husband at the time, he still actually isn't my husband. We're still testing the waters. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's like the love of my life. But six and a half years ago, I discovered he was an active addict mm-hmm. and he was addicted to a lot of things. And it, the evidence had been right in front of me and I hadn't seen it. So here I was running a huge you know, personal training studio running my courses. And I had a six month old baby. I had two preteen boys and off he goes to rehab. And I was literally like, what has just happened to my life? Like Mm -hmm. what has happened? And I didn't know what was going to happen. So immediately being the, you know, control freak and driven individual I was, I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to fix this. And I (laughs) quickly learned that my journey had nothing to do with fixing him. Mm -hmm. He was responsible for his own life. And I had to lean in to the role that I was playing in this relationship. So, you know, six and a half years later, he's still in recovery. Yay. Yay. Um, And that's his business. It's none of my business. I keep my hands off of that. And I've had to go through my own transformation, looking at my behaviors things like people pleasing control caretaking like all the things that coaches are like built from right the things that make us amazing but the volumes turned up so high on them they've become destructive in our lives and the the way it kind of transferred back to my career was addiction is all about being disconnected from ourselves it's Mm -hmm. all about our willing our our unwillingness to connect to how we're feeling deep inside this is why like people can go off to Vietnam use drugs there come home if they have a really tight family they won't have a problem with drug addiction when they come home because that connection piece is there but for most of us we are disconnected we've gone through our lives looking for things that we can use to numb ourselves out so we don't have Mm -hmm. to feel our feelings and for women a lot of that is food alcohol sex shopping. We use all these tools. So I was able to see like, this is why my clients are struggling. I can teach them how to Mm -hmm. fish for themselves, but why are they like, why do they struggle to actually ingrain those beliefs? And the problem is, is if we believe something about ourselves, our beliefs drive our thoughts, our thoughts create our emotions, our emotions drive our actions and our actions drive our results. So if we don't change who we are and how we Think and feel about ourselves at our core subconscious belief level, it doesn't matter how many conversations you have, you're never going to change your relationship with food. Because if you don't believe you're worthy and deserving, if your self-worth is in the toilet, you're constantly going to be looking for ways to numb out how you're feeling. And honestly, you know, with all my behaviors, I didn't, you know, I didn't struggle with food per se, but all my behaviors were about numbing out my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to recognize or lean into the fact that I was struggling with my self-worth. But, you know, so how this would show up for me is if there was a guy out there that was broken and wounded and amazing. You wanted to save him. I was going to love him until he realized how amazing he was. Not even seeing like, this is what I need to give myself, but I was getting my self-worth from making him feel better. Not even recognizing that I was like, this is what I was struggling with it. And this is what's so challenging about this kind of inside out work is we don't see what we don't see. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. know what I didn't know until the universe came and punched me in the gut, you Mm -hmm. know, flipped on the floodlights and said, Hey, you're going to deal with this shit now. So eat really that book came out of my desire to take my course and merge it with the mindset work that I do and put it into a package that would be accessible for everybody on the planet because not everybody can afford to work with me. And the truth Mm -hmm. is, as my work has evolved more and more uh, the program is available to my one-to-one clients, but I haven't launched it as a group program for a long time because I know it's not about the food. So yeah. I'm still kind of working on those pieces, but that that's what the book was about is like, I want everybody to have this information and whether or not they pick it up and run with it, that's none of my business, but I feel like I have put my workout into the world to serve people. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my legacy so that I can continue to move forward and and look at the other areas that I want to bring value and serve uh, the women who are really struggling. So that's the nutshell of it all. I feel like we're soul sisters here.
0: Right. You were like talking. I'm like, yes, yes, girl. Right. I do the same. I did the right. same thing. I'm working on it. I feel like, like you said, on your journey, you don't know what you don't know. So every step forward, you learn something new and you're like, oh crap, now I got to do with this. Right. I was the same way. Um, where I would attract broken guys because I wanted to save them until I met my husband, who is the person who had to like put me back together. Like who was the person that had to support me so that I could continue to grow and learn and everything like that. And then I was telling you, and before this airs, I am making a public announcement on the podcast about why I gave up alcohol because the same thing I would use it. I use it to numb out my feelings because when I'm emotional or I'm stressed or I'm excited or pretty much any, like, high emotions, I don't want to feel them because they're, like, scary. Like, my entire life I have not had to deal with them, and now I do, and I have to deal with all the yuck and the, you know, the past and all those things and heal all those things, and I actually said to my therapist, like, can I I go back to not knowing these things? Like, because I was blissfully ignorant at one point in time, and she's like, oh, no, honey, you've already opened this box. You need to, like, deal with this. But we need that. We need that healing and we need to move forward. So what has been the most transformational
1: insight that you've had about your journey? There's been so many. So the you know, the the kind of trademark that I work under now is called full frontal living. And it's about Mm -hmm. getting emotionally naked. Because, like you said, with your drinking, same with my drinking. I don't drink anymore. Not because my husband is in recovery, Mm -hmm. but because one night I was out with a bunch of women that I didn't know. And I was uncomfortable and, you know, I'll just have a glass of wine, which turned into a couple glasses of wine, right? Um, which some people would actually say that, that it actually is a drinking problem. We get to define how we want to define it. And I have no Mm -hmm. judgment one way or the other. And I, I'm open. Like I am, I am open. I am an open book. I will tell you stories about anything. And I was sitting talking to this woman and I was sharing about God knows what my insecurities, whatever. And she looked over at me at the end of the night and she's like, Oh. You're so hard on yourself. And I remember this wave of shame coming over me. Like I just shared with somebody that hadn't actually earned the right to hear that story. Yes. And that was not safe for me. So the next morning I wasn't hungover, but I was emotionally hungover, mm-hmm. And I made the decision that unless I can show up in a room, 100% myself, nervous, awkward, all those things that comes along with being an introvert. Yes. Introvert here too. Right. (laughs) I was not going to drink. Like my job Mm -hmm. was to create kind of an alter ego for myself who could walk into the room, be comfortable, share openly, share whatever I want, but Mm -hmm. not while being half numb doing it and really, you know, if you're an introvert, you're probably empath as well. Yes. I was going to ask you if you were one. Right. So feel other people's energies. I know right away who I'm safe with and who I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I don't question that shit anymore. Like if I'm sitting in a group and I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, I'm not going to talk about this here. And because that's my right to do that. It's my Mm -hmm. right to tune into my intuition. So as for, you know, transformative moments... I think one of the biggest one came for, so this is going like, like I said, back six and a half years when I started this journey. So my hubby had gone off to rehab. He was gone for, I don't know how long I completely cut off ties with him.
0: I Mm -hmm. said, I can't have
1: you in my life. I'm done. And this had started out with, (laughs) I remember sitting in the counselor's office and he'd gone off to rehab and I was arguing for my right to love him. And I said, because he was on the island, I'm on the mainland. And uh, he said, so let me understand this, Lisa. First of all, I was married before to a really healthy man and I left that relationship. So my counselor was Mm -hmm. calling me out on, you left like beige, as he called it, for addict? Do you see that you had that safe person and you left that to go back into the chaos that was your life before you found your husband? Thank God the universe always has my back because I had two amazing children with a very solid, stable, healthy man. It was my unhealthiness that caused me to leave that marriage. So I'm arguing for my suffering in this room with my counselor. And I said, well, he said, let me understand this, Lisa. You are going to pack yourself and your baby up And you're going to travel two hours by ferry so you can go to the rehab center to help him feel better when he has just completely annihilated your life. And I fought with him because when we're triggered, fight, flight, or freeze shows up for people. They run away or they, Mm -hmm. I'm a fighter. I will lean in. And I've learned that if I lean in, I need to take a step back and look at what's going on for me. And I left that room and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I even thinking here? And that night when he called me, I said, I'm not coming to visit you. I don't want anything to do with you. And in fact, when we had our family meeting, I walked in, put the baby down and said, I don't want a life with you and picked the baby back up and pretty much walked out. And then I was like, what have I done? So that was really the, that was a really transformational moment for me because it was Mm -hmm. saying like, I have to matter in my own life here. Like, this is, this is crap. Like I have a family, I have boys, they're wondering what's going on. Like, this is not okay. I'm a coach. I'm a leader. Like how did, what has happened here? Right? Like so much shame around how did I not see this? So, you know, skipping forward in the story, I had to go to rehab myself per se. It's a program Mm -hmm. they run for the families. And We all go there thinking we're there to fix our addicts Mm -hmm. only to find out that we're screwed up. (laughs) Um, I said, these were high performing people. There was an appellate court judge. There were police officers. There were lawyers, there were doctors in this room and all of us were just like on total lockdown. It was the first time any of us have had talked about our feelings, admitted our shame, cried. Like it was such a powerful experience, but she had us do this activity And we had to name all the ways we were disconnecting from ourselves and from others. Mm. This was our homework, right? So I'm like, I got this. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody who is like a perfectionist knows where this is going, right? Right here. Right
0: here. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I'm like, I got this. So I go to the drugstore, I pick up pencil crayons, I got my sheet of paper, I'm writing out all my, my bricks because it was like bricks in a wall. And I'm putting like the name, you know, everything from like money to this to that, like all these different things that block connection. And I was like, I'm not going to miss a single thing. They are not going to nail me on anything, right? That was my way of protecting myself mm-hmm. from being called out, right? I'm going to get it right. Then I won't feel shame, hurt, anger, frustration, whatever it was completely oblivious that this is going on so we get back to group the next day and it's my turn right so we had to unfold the paper and hold it in front of us for the group right and everybody kind of leans in and looks at my paper that's all colored with pretty pretty boxes and my counselor leans in and she says so lisa what do you see here and i'm like what are you talking about like I didn't, I didn't miss anything. Right. This is my (laughs) attitude. I didn't miss anything. She looks at me and she's like, it's very pretty. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? So again, I started to argue. I'm like, I'm trying to be creative. This was an art project for me. Right. Like I'm (laughs) totally going to justify. (laughs) Coloring therapeutic. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. What are you talking? She's like, it's very pretty. And it's the first time when I step back, I still get emotional about this. It's the first time that I realize that how much I use my physical appearance to block connection to other people. Right. So I'd spent my career helping women heal from their, you know, weight problem. I don't even want to call them problems they're not a problem, but their body image issues. Yet I presented in a way if I knew you and felt safe, I'd welcome you in. But my insecurities, the way I looked, meant, you know, I had that like stay out of my zone because then nobody would see how insecure I was, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I had to do a speaking event, God forbid, because it would make me quake in my boots, I'd spend like 20 minutes brushing my hair. Right, right right? It was all, it was all about perfectionism. And I hadn't even seen how that was completely disconnecting me from so many things. Mm -hmm. And then she took the big red pen, circled the whole thing. And she's like, um, you know, you're not a human doing. And I hadn't even realized like all, like all of this together, I wasn't even present in my life. I was literally gripping the wheel of my life, just surviving the ride. I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what was important to me. I didn't know what a boundary was. I, I literally in that moment, remember just crumbling. Cause I thought, how do, how do I fix like immediately, right? I go into my brain, how do right. I fix this? And the whole part, the whole, to heal from the things that you're wounded from requires you get out of your heart or get out of your head and get into your heart and so many of us don't know how to do that and we're so i was ter- i was terrified that if it's so I scary let myself feel that mm. i was never going to recover from it ever that i would start crying and i would literally drown from the pain that i would feel in my body in my physical body it was the first time that i realized how anxiety was mm-hmm. living in me. Um, you know, shortly after all of this, you know, my body literally shut down on me. I went through adrenal fatigue, duh, because I'd been like running on <laughs> adrenaline my entire life. Cause that's what we do as controllers and doing all the things. So like the ramifications, even though he came out of recovery, I've said time and time again, my recovery was so much more challenging because it wasn't not using a substance it was about how do i participate in life without right. using these things that i thought made me who i was like mm-hmm. I, I literally would have to like phone a friend like okay i have to have this conversation i don't know what to say i don't know i don't know how to do this i have to say no oh my god am i going to throw up am i going to like am i going to burst into tears doing this so now <laughs> that was such a shitty moment in my life, and it was like the biggest gift I've ever been given—not mm-hmm. just for me, but for the women that I get to now show up for in their lives. The space that I hold for people, um, you know, I believe I was put on this planet to be a healer, and that mm-hmm. comes with a big responsibility. But it means that I have to lead by example. So it's not just about saying the pretty things about survival. right boundaries and faith and all of that stuff. It's about living into what does it look like to let go on the days where I'm like, I feel like I need to push and say no, Mm -hmm. like that's not the way anymore, Lisa. What does it mean to bring more joy into my life? Not Mm -hmm. just saying joy, but actually living in joy. Mm -hmm. What does it, you know, what does it mean to embody rest and play and doing my business from a place of being? as opposed Mm -hmm. to doing like fundamentally shifting who I am. So it's really, you know, I, I appreciate this platform to share because I've told this story kind of in bits and pieces here and there, and I'm very, I'm very open to sharing it, but I don't think I've ever quite told it in this sequence and really shared it in this way. So I hope someone who's listening, um, finds finds the value in it or the message in, in it that they need to hear.
0: I'm connecting so much with it. Cause it's like, you're describing me because <laughs> I've been through that. And, um, I feel like each little thing that I let go of, like people are like, you're so vulnerable and you're so authentic and you're so genuine. I'm like, but there's more. Hmm. And I'm still like, that's why I gave up alcohol is I still have room. Like I still have things that I have to work through and let go. Like that perfectionist side of me still like comes out. It's like, I almost had a complete mental breakdown when I got a B and cause I'm going to school for psychology right now. Right. When I got a B in one of my classes this summer I, and ended up being an A, like I thought it was a B cause that's what the, the thing showed and it ended up being an A. And so it actually yeah. soothed my soul. And I was like, Oh, it's okay. We're all good. But then I'm like, wait, 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 there is something there. There's yeah. something there being that perfectionist is still a part, And it's so hard to release those things that we've built up over like years and years and years Like, this is stuff that started when we were younger, and it's just kind of like,
1: right, roll like, become this huge ball of crap. So, the bigger question to ask yourself is, What did you make that be mean? Because things only have meaning with the Mm -hmm. meaning that we give it. This is true for our weight, this is true for food. Like, we put make food good or bad, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's neutral, money's neither good or bad. Um, You know, when you're rocking out your degree, however many years Mm -hmm. away that is, I think it's still a ways away. Nobody's going to see you. So, on this exam, Megan, what grade did you get? Oh, I'm about a B. Oh, shit. I'm out. Right. I'm going to find another therapist, right? So, we make things mean something. And at any time, we can actually choose Mm -hmm. many, many other meanings. Um, I had a really profound moment this past weekend that I'd love to share. And I think, I think it's, I was at a retreat, an amazing summit up in uh, the interior of BC in Canada. So it's, you know, phenomenal here. We're talking like right in the Rocky mountains. Oh, I love Uh, the mountains. Oh my God. You seriously like stunning divinity, right? Yes. Surrounded by women who are making seven, eight figures, right? There was one woman there who literally makes billions of dollars every year, right? Phenomenal. And shoulder to shoulder with these people, right? So talk about coming full circle and, you know, having a seat at the table. Amazing. And I went into the summit really in a place of, you know, because as I've let go of being the nutrition or weight loss coach, right? And really Mm -hmm. stepping into what my bigger mission is, it's required a lot of faith. Like, are people going to get this? It's Mm -hmm. required a lot of letting go because a lot of the audience that I used to speak to, I don't speak to them anymore. Right. Right. Like I work with women who are empowered, who value self-development. They lean Mm -hmm. into that. They're not like, Oh, you got to convince me of this. Right. Right. So I went to the summit really in this place of like, I don't know what's, I don't, I don't know right? Like that. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I don't know. It can be like a chokehold or it can be like arms wide open like a kid. Mm -hmm. And on the second day I had an opportunity to do a high ropes course. I don't know if you've ever done a high ropes course. Yes. Okay. Yes, I have. It's high. (laughs) (laughs) That's a part of it. Yes. (laughs) Right. It's high. I'm afraid of heights. If you put me in like, if you put me in like a helicopter or plane, I'm cool because I, I delude myself. Like I'm safe in here, Mm -hmm. but to be freely open, I I don't like heights. I don't like that looking down feeling. I don't Mm -hmm. like anybody holding my kids up to ledges. Like, I don't know if it's a past life thing or what. Yeah. It's not real. Fear for me is about control. So as soon as I got up on that platform, it was so apparent to me that I was still struggling with control, even though Mm -hmm. I wanted to believe that that little monster didn't exist. Right. I managed to make it through the ropes course with, you know, my... Best colleagues and deep soul sisters leading the way for me, um, hugging each tree as I got to each platform. The fear in my body was palpable though, and I think often we forget like what our body is experiencing it because we get in again, we get into our heads. So we get to the end of the course after I've you know I've made it, and we had a choice we could either climb down or we could go up to the top of the platform and repel <laughs> <laughs> so again things only have meaning with the meaning we give it
0: mm-hmm. but
1: the meaning i was giving climbing down was i'm letting my fears win right right so i've jumped off high things before i've been in jamaica I, I stood there for an hour until my husband took my hand and said on the count of three we're jumping i've jumped out of an airplane i was attached to somebody And I've jumped off the high platforms in the Tough Mudder, but I did it with a team, right? So go Mm -hmm. on the count of three or you're going to be standing on that platform forever. So I made the decision to climb to the top of this platform and then immediately was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, what what am I doing here? And uh, so I walked to the edge of the platform and literally it was a cord attached to a carabiner at my waist and you have to jump off and it catches you and it lowers you down and i was shaking Mm -hmm. i was crying and i could see the group of women off to the side and they're trying to cheer me and i'm like just quiet just (laughs) let me do this don't like don't don't, cheering me is not helping me Mm -hmm. it's actually increasing my anxiety and feeling so vulnerable because this is what I coach. This is how I show up as a leader, faith and surrender. And you have to take these leaps and feel your feelings. And I was so in my emotions and I'm trying to use, you know, trying to use my brain to say, this isn't real, you're safe. And my body was having a visceral reaction to it. And I knew that this was not by accident. This was happening for me on purpose, you know, orchestrated by the universe for me to get off that platform. And uh, I don't know how I got off the platform. But you did. You're here. took about 15 minutes. (laughs) I got off the platform. I cried all the way down. I cried. I just sobbed in my friend's arms at the bottom because for me, it was such a powerful moment of Lisa. You have to release the grip. You're still trying to control your mm-hmm. business. You're still trying to do things their way. You're still trying to make things happen. You're still trying to fit in. You're still, tr- those things are still there. Mm-hmm. And I'm being called forward in such a big way of release, let go, like stop trying to be the marketer. I'm not a marketer, I'm a coach. Yeah. I work by referrals. It takes a lot of faith to show up in this online space without mm-hmm. the flashy this and the this, that, and all right. the things, right? And I've spent so much of my life seeking approval from others, right? Chasing the success in quotes. Mm-hmm. And this was such a moment of letting go and recognizing, right? I said, every time I jumped before, somebody was holding my hand.
0: Now you're doing it by yourself.
1: The only way I was getting off that platform Mm -hmm. was by myself. And no amount of my physical strength was going to help me. No amount of me pushing myself to get off that platform was going to help me. Mm -hmm. It was literally a handing it over to God and hoping that I would be okay and knowing that I would be okay. So I... Like that moment was such a a deep, and I'm still like processing, like this is, this is a fresh story. This is like Mm -hmm. shiny and new. I'm still literally in the process of unpacking it, of embodying Exactly what happened for me, and how that's changing the message, and how I show up in my own business, and how I'm speaking to people because so many of us need that message. Because so many of us are holding on so tightly to our lives, not realizing that letting go and having faith is the very thing that's going to give us what we want. But we're so afraid of letting go of what we know, we're so afraid of trusting ourselves that we literally can't get off the platform and that's my job is to help people get off the fucking platform. Cause then like, who knows what's possible, right? Yeah. The women that I support are here doing, Oh, the leaders that I stand shoulder to shoulder with, I'm an introvert, like I said, so I don't yeah. see the spotlight, but to be able to be at the side of the stage, watching my clients on the stage shining. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like, I get to be a part of that. That's my right. impact. And it's it's how I embody the way of moving through my life that will inspire other people. And next level leadership, next level success requires that we let go. Cause things only work like our behaviors, they worked until they didn't. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of our behaviors in our in our businesses. So
0: one thing I want people to take away while listening to this is they see coaches. And they think we all have our shit together. Oh my God, we do And not. we do not, but we're good. I mean, we can, I can coach people like nobody's business, but coaching ourselves is way more difficult. Like actually going further than we are on our journey and getting uncomfortable and getting scared and releasing things and feeling things that we don't want to feel. That's really difficult. And so the fact that that you are being so vulnerable about the fact like that you have come so far, but you still have so far that you need oh. to go. People really need to see that because I think they beat ourselves up saying like, I can't believe I don't have this yet. Well, no. how long have you been working at it? Like, because I've only been on my personal development journey for five
1: years. Right. That, so like, I still have like 20 ish years worth of crap that I have to yeah. work through. <laughs> the truth is, Like you're going to have like, Ladies, we have, we're going to have a relationship with ourselves till the day we die. Right. Right. You've got to make it the best. And the truth is like, as much as I talk about vulnerability and I embrace it, it is not my default setting. When Mm -hmm. I was up on that platform, I didn't want my colleagues to see me falling apart, but I also knew that that was where I was. And by doing that, it was so like when I unpacked it with my groups later on, it was so powerful for them to see That here's this person that they respected who could literally allow herself to be seen. Like I allowed myself to be seen in my weakest, most vulnerable place. Mm -hmm. And they still viewed me as like, wow, you like so have it together. I'm like, did you guys miss- Not see that? (laughs) Up there? And this is, we see vulnerability in other people as courage, but Mm -hmm. we see it as weakness in ourselves. Yeah, and it's not, it's not. But like I said, it, it's not my natural default setting. I have to continue mm. to lean into that because I think that that's part of what I'm here to teach people: is it's safe to do that, and that's the space that I hold for my clients. A lot of them have never been witnessed, and you see this in your own clients, right? Many yeah. of them have never been held or witnessed or seen in their vulnerability, and it's, right. it's scary for them. And I do not take that lightly. Do not take that lightly.
0: Yeah. I always say new level, new devil. It doesn't matter how much work you do. Something's going to happen and you're going to have to work on something new and vulnerability. I'm the same with you. People think I'm comfortable with it because I'm always like open and vulnerable. I get very uncomfortable, sometimes close to like having an anxiety attack over what I'm going to say, but I feel like if I'm uncomfortable about something, somebody needs to hear it. Like somebody needs that message and it's, I'm put on this earth to share with people so that they can take that and use it to help them better themselves that's and right. I know you like just sharing what you've shared feel the same way and I feel like like that's why I think like things like I'm gonna brag on the podcast like podcasts like this is people can hear these stories yes. they can connect with your story and be like all right maybe my story's not exactly like Lisa's but look what she's done and she's in this you know arena as a coach and doing these great things but she still has things to work on. So we all do and I want people to really to really embody that and embrace that and say like
1: we're all a little bit of a hot mess. It's okay. I mean, it's normal. Like if somebody presents to me as like they've got all their shit together, that's a repellent for me. Right. Right? Like my superpower I can see right through people's stories. Like I can listen and I know exactly where that is coming from. Like Mm -hmm. I I can see it, that, that is my gift. And I just, I do not have any tolerance. I am unavailable for people who aren't willing to look at their own stuff. This is why, you know, my business is based on my values, connection, Mm -hmm. vulnerability, and self-development. That's one of my values, Mm -hmm. It's probably one of your values for your clients, right? So they have to be willing to be like, this isn't torture. I'm going to lean into this because again, I want to have the best relationship with myself because when you commit to mattering in your own life and that relationship being as healthy as it can be, it translates into better relationships with your partners, Mm -hmm. your friends, your colleagues, as a parent, it's Mm -hmm. so far reaching. We have to stop looking at other people to take responsibility for how we're feeling. It starts with us changing and not being a victim to our circumstances and then letting that radiate out as opposed to, you know, like I used to think with my kids, if they would just behave, then I would feel better. (laughs) Had nothing to do with them behaving, it had to do with my like, I really struggled being a mom when they were young again because you don't
0: want to get uncomfortable, like people judge you. Yep,
1: and, you know. Oh, the story, the stories. I could literally, like, we could literally have conversations mm-hmm. for hours about all the stuff.
0: Oh, I know. I have four of them myself. My oldest right. is fifteen, so I feel you.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Okay, I've got eighteen, almost seventeen, and seven. We have. Oh, my twins are right? seven. Huh? Yes, it's so such. Have, a fun- you have
0: twins. I have fifteen. I have nine, I and twins who are you. seven. Oh, my husband, when we got married, I had the two older girls and he said, I really like some biological children, but if not, I love you. It's fine. I will yeah. accept that. That's your choice. You already yeah. have two kids. And I said, we well, can try for one. Yeah.
1: And then we got yeah. two and I'm like, I'm done. Peace okay. Out. So yeah, we had, I've had, you know, my seven-year-old is with my second hubby. And then I was like, my body cannot, I just, I right. can't do this The same anymore. for me. It's so, especially as an empath,
0: raising it. Other humans is, wow. It's a whole nother level. Like yeah. having to deal with their energy and their emotions and yeah. especially
1: teenagers, whoo. <laughs> right. And you know, the thing is empaths generally have empathetic children, which means mm-hmm. a lot of times their behaviors and what they're feeling is a reflection and a mirror of what's going on for us. On right. the days my seven-year-old is like off, I actually check my energy, not mm-hmm. his. Like today, he didn't really want to go to camp. And this morning when I woke up, I was feeling a little bit off. I was just feeling a little bit sad. Again, like I just came off this four-day retreat. You're emotionally like, drained. Yeah. Yeah. Like I took a Monday off to just I stayed in bed all day Monday. That was, you know, I, I work these things into my schedule. Rest Mm -hmm. is part of my business strategy. Right. Um, but it was still like, there was so much emotion and there was so much stuff and I could, today he didn't want to go to camp and he just wanted to stay at home and be with me. And I'm like, that's really interesting because what I'm feeling right now is it's almost like I had this, such this deep connection with all these women and I'm longing for that. Right. Because right. Some of these women have become best friends, right? Colleagues. Mm-hmm. And they don't live here. They're in California and they're in New York. Yep. And they're like they're in Toronto. So to have a room full of women that I adore and be in their energy of people who get it to then come home to, you know, I have my friends here. Don't get me wrong. Right. But entrepreneurs get entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And on the West Coast here, we don't have these tight communities. So that's something I'm going to start to change because of my own Desire and need for connection. But so I wasn't surprised that he was struggling to go to camp today. He just kind of wanted to hang out with his mama. I'm like, "Mm." so when we flip it around and we look at our kids as mirroring back what's potentially going on for us, when we yell at them to shut them down, in essence, what we're doing is judging ourselves for what we're actually not wanting to feel. They're just showing our kids, just like our businesses, they were given to us to grow us. We think we're here Mm -hmm. to grow them. No. No. They are here to school us on all things, surrender, letting go, faith. Like, you know, right. when they first get the, you know, mom, can I take the car? Talk about a letting go moment. One thing oh my gosh. like on their bikes with their helmets. Now you're putting, now you're going in a car. Oh, now you're going to the bar. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> you're going to be moving out soon and going to college. What? Right. Let me yeah. just like package my heart and it, it's outside my body in my kids. Mm-hmm. I can't live from a place of fear. Like being a parent demands that I have faith and let go every single day because yes. otherwise I don't actually enjoy them because I'm in a state of worry all the time about what if something happens? Mm-hmm. Or what if it does? Like when my life was taken out for me with my husband. Everything was okay. It was shitty, but everything was okay. If something happens with my kids, God forbid, knock wood. It's going to be okay. It would be okay. Mm -hmm. I can't not enjoy them. And I can't take myself out of my life because I'm worrying about my kids. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I love them. And deep breath, let go. Right. Platform. So Lisa, as we
0: wrap up the podcast, Mm -hmm. what is one thing that you would like to leave the Inspired Women audience with?
1: Oh, you know, I've talked about a lot in this interview. I really want to encourage people to perhaps go back and listen twice. Yeah. Um, Because the way, you know, the way that I coach and the way that I deliver my message, sometimes the things that come out of my mouth, I don't know where they come from. It's very intuitive. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel
1: the same way. Right. Yeah. And it took me a while to like actually own that as a gift because it sounds very like,
0: yeah, right.
1: Um, (laughs) So I encourage them to go back and listen twice and really like listen. (laughs) Like get mm-hmm. quiet and really listen and see what's there for you because there, there might be one thing that I said in there that could literally flip your perspective upside down and impact you in such a profound way. And that's the power of storytelling. And the other thing I will, will say is as well, like share it. Like right. If you listen to this episode and you're like, damn, Share it because people need to find Megan, people need to find me. And the funny thing about messengers is Megan and I can say the same thing. And somebody will hear it from me and be like, wow, I totally got that. And Megan will be like, but I said that last week. How did you not get it? (laughs) That's messengers, right? Like we hear yep. when we're ready to hear through mm-hmm. the right message. So that's why the pa- connection is so powerful and sharing because this is how we're going to change the world. And when women start to get it and step into their lives and matter, we will change what's going on in the world. It's our responsibility to start showing up in a bigger way, even if we're scared, even if we don't know what that letting go in faith looks like, we need to do it.
0: I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for coming on the
1: podcast today, Lisa. Oh, you are so, you are so welcome. Um, what I'll leave you with as well, I'm going to put together a link. Uh, it'll probably be under Lisa Carpenter Inspired Woman. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do. I've got a masterclass that I did around. Kind of what is required to change your thinking specifically around your body. Mm-hmm. I will link that up on that page for free for anybody. I did it to sell into a program, so just ignore the like. <laughs> okay. Or the pitch at the end. Um, but there's really valuable content in there that I okay. think that it will help them shift. For anybody who's struggling around their body, I think it will really help them to shift how they're being and how they're thinking, so that they can have more of those kind of aha moment. So I will, I will get that linked up for you guys as well.
0: Great. And I will link that up in the show notes, inspiredwomenpodcast.com as long, along with all the links that I received to, for everybody to connect with you and
1: be able to get more of your magic. I love that. And I look forward to staying connected with you, Megan. It's been such a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family and join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.